Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the On About Nothing podcast. My name is Wale, and tonight I'm joined by regular visitor. Welcome, Kule. Hello, everyone. Um, I, I, uh, let's just say the the stars are beginning to smile on some people in the world and some clubs in the world. Why United finally? found a way to get to the Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, somehow that miracle happened. And somehow somebody decided that yes, that's that whole money is probably worth it for us. So, um, I I think it's a win win for all the parties involved because if you had come back United were stipulated to pay him forty million pounds in terms of salary, then um now United gets to pay him five million off. He gets to earn his ridiculous wages for a year. He gets to earn about three hundred ninety thousand pounds per week in Italy. Then earns about two hundred fifty thousand for two more years after earning three ninety for one more year. And Inter gets to pick up a player that's been outstanding for them since the restart without paying a transfer fee. So. I guess this is a win-win situation for everybody involved. Yeah, I think it's, I think probably for Inter more than anything because for about two years now we haven't really seen Sanchez that much. We haven't really seen the real Alexis Sanchez. I think until this time in Inter, if I look like he's enjoying playing playing football again. So, but I think probably Inter didn't want to let that go. So, I am. Is it is it an issue of? Um... Is it the cost of the Manchester United number seven, or was it too much money, or did Sanchez just lose motivation, or was Ojavor too big of a stage? Because I, I can't really, he was such a great player at as night. At some point, he looked like the best player in the Premier League. Only for him to go to Manchester United and he looked like, oh, we just signed this guy. And he had three goals in the Premier League. Ridiculous. Yes, it was utterly disappointing. I think perhaps maybe. The fact that he joined in, he joined halfway through the season. He had no preseason. He couldn't really settle in. We, I think we all that thought it was, that it was this. It was this. The from his time with Arsenal because he started to lose interest when he was at Arsenal and everything. But but I'm still I'm still shocked too. How did he didn't work because out? Because if he, he he didn't start a season, played half of a season. Chile missed the World Cup. He had a proper preseason with Manchester United. Then it looked like okay, after having a proper preseason, we're gonna see the best of Sanchez. Now that he has a f- proper preseason under his belt, he's well rested and what have you. He just didn't come. The club waited and waited and waited and the fans waited. And the good news for them is that they made a lot of money off the field when he was signed. Like when he announced the signature. There was record sales in terms of the amount of shared sales as well. There was a record in terms of the amount of shared sales. So they can take the pieces from that. But on the pitch, it just didn't look like it in any way or form. Uh, anyway, moving on to other transfer stories. Um, I don't know why Arsenal fans are complaining about the fact that they're interested in William. The club doesn't have money to spend. They're going to... Um, make our 55 staffs redundant to try and cope with the COVID pandemic and stuff. William, to me, seems like a good signing if you're going to get him on the free. 
Yeah, but the thing is, is, is it 31 or 32? 32 by, by, and, by next week. And and why exactly are you really getting... What picture are you really getting really? And, okay, you are saying outright. You have Nicolas Pepe, who is finally looking like... Like, it might be interesting to for Arsenal again. I, 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 dis- like, I, dis- I disagree with, like... Like I was telling a friend, you have Nicolas Pepe. You have nothing to lose. If you bring in William out wide on the right hand side, it's a two it's a two way thing. Is it a if because if you ask me now, I'm taking William ahead of Pepe, regardless of the age, because William has proven to be a better player even this current season. You can argue that Pepe just is younger, got just got to Premier League or French League this time to send to or whatever. Yes. But you have nothing to lose. You're playing for a big club. You don't expect a big club to spoon feed you that, oh, don't worry, we'll just give you all the time you need to improve and get better while we just continue to struggle. If Pepe responds to the challenge, he's going to become a great player and Arsenal will be the better for it. If he doesn't respond to the challenge and insults William and William plays better than Pepe, Arsenal will be the better club for it too as well. That's just the way I see it. But, well, I, I, well, I still think, I think, because Pepe is younger, I think he's a bit more coachable, and he has spent a bit more time on that. That he knows, you know, I think he starts to get the hang of his system. And really, you have Sakaya Martinelli as well. So I, I think William is probably a better signing, very very good signing. Was his experience? He's not a bad player by any means. At all, he's, he's not. He's not a bad player. He looks like he still has it. A name like plays in week in week out for Chelsea and plays very well, like plays very well. I understand that he's trying to protect his future by saying, "Oh, I don't want any, I don't want a two-year contract from Chelsea, or I don't want a one-year contract. I need to make sure that my future is secure wherever it is that I'm going, be it the MLS, be it with Arsenal." And I kind of support the signing. If you're not going to this signing allows Arsenal to improve other places. Other positions in the squad, like the defense is atrocious. Yes, William Saliba is coming in. Pablo Mari probably gets a full season under his belt. Um, Shudra Mustafi is injured. David Luiz is always going to be David Luiz. Kolasinac is Kolasinac, but Bodin still doesn't look like it. But the defense is very, very palpable. You could improve the defense, you could improve your central midfield as well. Like, that's another position that has been found once. Rani Shaka is good, but he's not the most disciplined midfield that you can find. So, focusing on William, getting William on, on the free means, okay, whatever money it is that we have to spend, we can divide it to necessary places to improve the team. And as much as signing William is important to me, I think the most important thing for the Gunners now is keeping Aubameyang. Yeah, there are rumors obviously. that it's close to signing a new contract. And regardless, Asman in a lose-lose situation that when it comes to Aubameyang. You can argue that he's 31... He's a striker, but he's 31 and it looks like he's still the, one, of the, one of the best strikers in the world, not just in the Premier League. And he's not going to be short of suitors out there. And, you can, and the sad part is, if you do not agree this new contract, there's a clause in his contract that stipulates that he gets to be paid a ridiculous amount this final year. Now imagine you've paid him a ridiculous amount of 300 to pounds a week. Then he decides to up and leave the, uh, next summer as a, on a free. That means it's like a lose-lose situation for you as well. So, parity, getting about me and got the books. The future of Lacazette is up for debate. Like, I actually think Arsenal should let Lacazette go. Okay. Yeah, because the thing is, 
once without Lacazette, then Abraham becomes the main main forward again. And it's, it seems like if if Arsenal are really struggling to keep Aubameyang and Lacazette in the same team, then they have to increase the wages. And yes, and th- and the thing about Arsenal again is can they really afford to go down that route? Especially what happened with Ozil and the rest. So maybe why not gamble and get rid of one and keep keep the other. So I think perhaps you should get rid of Lacazette. But the problem is, is there, is anyone really going to come for Lacazette now? Because over the past two seasons, he has looked a bit under par. If you have been honest, yeah, he has looked he has looked very very under par. I still think like Atletico Madrid might be a good matchup for him. Like might be a good place for him. Like if you can get someone to take him get good transfer fee and take his wages off your list as well. It's a plus for the club. But one way or the other, having Aubameyang on the left of the front three, like Mourinho predicted during his Pondy three days with Sky Sports before getting the sports job, has really, really helped the Gabon international to excel a lot. Like the former Borussia Dortmund striker has found a home on the left of that front tree. Even when Lacazette is not starting and you're starting with players like Eddie Nketia, it looks like that position is the most suited for um, Aubameyang. So, I do, if Martinelli didn't pick up that injury, even though he expected to be back at some point during the start of the new season, I would have said, okay, you know what, you're getting them Lacazette, you stick with Martinelli or... I think it's actually through the middle, you probably down through the middle, you have William and Pepe, this Nelson and this Pukayo Saka as well, this winger surrounding Abameyang. It's a place to good you can invest Abameyang, Lacazette, which is in another part of the pitch as well that you need. So, but now that you have, there's already the internal turmoil of, okay, we're letting 55 staff members go, the players are disappointed and angry about the fact that like, the reason why we took a pay cut in the first place was so that we could keep the staff. Yeah, um, just based on that, I think, um, early, I think it was in April, so when they asked the players to take a pay cut, I think everybody vilified Ozzy when he said that it's not going to take on because he doesn't really know what the, the owners want to do with that money. Yes. So, yes. so now, what was the point of taking a pay cut? It's if you're going, going to, to let get the staff. staff 55 people go. So, I don't... Um, the Kronka group, the majority shareholder of Arsenal, is basically the owner of Arsenal and Kronka. Yeah. He has, um, is the owner of the LA Rams, the Denver Nuggets, Colorado Rapids and stuff. Like, he's a major, major American business owner. Like, American business billionaire and stuff. But for some way, he has, the, it's safe to say, like, under his tutelage, under his ownership, Arsenal have just regressed. I understand that the LA Rams beat a new stadium in the NFL and it's a lot of money to forgo when you're building a stadium. But you've already offered these players because they've agreed. Why get rid of it five star? Most Premier League teams, even Liverpool, decided to follow their staffs on the government program whereby they get paid through the government. They see backlash in their fans. So why wake up one morning and say, okay, um, we're going to get rid of 55 staff, we're going to use the money for our transfer budget and oh please, we both are not going to spend that money on any transfer budget. You start looking for long deals around the whole of Europe. Yeah, and since this, I think Kroenke has always been unpopular with us now because the fans struggle with saying is over that he hardly pumps any money to us now. So 
and the revenue they make just siphons it away. So I think this is not really, it's not really new. And the thing is, there's a chance we might see this in other football clubs as well, whereby they can get rid of staff and then start spending outrageous money or amount of on signings again. Why? <laughs> doesn't doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't. I understand that. Now it kind of stresses the importance of winning that FA Cup, not in terms of the prize money of the FA Cup. Like winning the FA Cup gets you three point six million pounds, which is a ridiculous amount of money. You could probably make that from two match days in the Premier League. So the, winning the FA Cup practically doesn't solve your problem. But being in the Europa League, the financial benefits of being in the Europa League is, should help Arsenal as well. Because if just any club I needed to make it to the Europa League this season, it was Arsenal. Yeah. Aside from the fact that it offers them another avenue of making to the Champions League, the financial benefits are there for the, for everyone to see, and you have an extra competition to bed in your stars, another another competition to win. So, it's it was a an important one for for the Gunners, but it's not like we're not taking anything away from Chelsea. Obviously, Frank Lampard wanted to win his first trophy as manager of Chelsea. It just wasn't to be like he felt like Arsenal wanted it more and deserved to get it. It's nothing that Arsenal just wanted. I think Arsenal were actually a better team. And once again, Chelsea had the same flaws we've been having the whole season. The giant gap at the back, no cover, very successful counter, especially especially with the second goal. And the thing is, once once Arsenal sense a weakness in Chelsea, in which they could just hit it long to make Nelnais or Aubameyang, they kept doing that and kept working. Like and, and the, the, the Blues just couldn't find a way around. Yeah, and there was but no another, another thing, another thing, I think just when we were lucky in the sense that having Pulisic looked like, okay, I'm running the show tonight. Like, this is my game. Then he picks up an upstring injury. Just when it looked like he was going to scotch us his second goal, picks up an upstring injury, leaves the pitch, Pedro replaces him. Then before you know, Aspelicueta gets injured, gets replaced by um, Andreas Christensen. Pedro suffers another injury. Kovacic, if you if you ask my opinion, was unlawfully like undeservedly sent off as well. So is it the case of okay, they were just unlucky or were they just naive? I think they were naive. Yeah, you can you can say the Kovacic's yellow card was second yellow card was undeserved. But then again, mm-hmm. you can also say Asilkota probably should have been sent off for the penalty. Yes, yes. I think he was lucky to escape with just a yellow card because there was no excuses around it. He just they, they just looked anyway. The the jury is still out on Fraklapa. It might not be the jury in the UK because the media has been driving this narrative like oh it's a second coming of right now he's a genius, blah yeah, blah blah. Get the and all this of the season, it might not be stuff. Well I'm sorry I do not fall for all that. Yes there was no transfer window for Chelsea but it's not like he inherited Bournemouth and he took them to the Europa League or something. He inherited Chelsea. Pulisic was a guarantee to come in. He kept Kovacic. He get you some young stars came in and impressed us. Yes, we have to give him credit for that. But it, same way, I'm not celebrating this idea that social is going to come in of Alex Ferguson until next season. I feel like a lot of things will come into likenesses and the Premier League has been very poor this year. Yeah. And the next season, we should have these teams, like teams that have been disappointed, like Arsenal, Spurs. You expect Leicester to continue to improve. You expect Wolves to continue to improve. 
obviously I'm not expecting Sheffield to do what they did this year. What they did this year was a miracle already. But the other teams have been disappointed this year. You expect City, who seems to be signing everybody and everything that's moving around. You expect them to do better as well. So 65, 65 points will not be enough to make Champions League football next season. On the issue of City and signing everybody, Nathan Ake is a good signing. Like I really appreciate the signing. He serves two purposes. He's a very good defender, has a lot of um, prom- has shown a lot of promise over the years and looks like his best days are still ahead. And he fills the whole English quota, the homegrown quota for the club as well. But I don't think clubs play with two left-footed centre-backs. I don't know how you're going to pair Laporte, who I believe is City's best central defender, and Nathan Aki. And the thing for me is, after the two center, left, left-footed centre-backs, I've actually believed that clubs can play with two left-footed centre-backs, especially if you can play with two right-footed centre-backs. But the thing is, left-footed centre-backs don't hardly play on the right. Yes, they're not comfortable. And yes. for Guardiola, for Guardiola, for Guardiola especially, I think he needs the traditional centre backs for the passing lanes and everything. Which is yes. why once once, La, once Laporte was missing, I didn't see him. And they had the other men and stones on the left. It didn't really work out. So I think Akipaki probably works as a very good backup. So to prevent Fernandinho having to drop into centre back again, because that that, but that the, didn't really work. But there are predictions that they are. Yeah, their predictions are they're they're expected to buy get another centre back. And everything keeps pointing towards Kalidu Kulibali from Napoli. He's left footed. Yeah, which is he's left he's also left footed. So So I don't whatever the idea is, are they changing the dimensions of the pitch? Are they changing the direction of the pitch in in Adi or what? Because I don't know how that is going to work. I understand that you probably want to get rid of John Stones as fast as possible. He has disappointed. He has been extremely disappointed. I can't yeah. blame them for wanting to go. Even though, as much as I feel like there's something there or there's a player in there somewhere, if Guardiola can get the best out of Sterling and a few other players that look like they were done, I don't know who's going to get the best out of Stones. But that's not the issue, you know. Otamendi looks like if I'm not going today, I'll be gone tomorrow. But I'm done. Like my best is way behind me already. So those are those are your two right-footed. Centre halves. Eric Garcia, the young Eric Garcia has decided I'm not signing a new contract. I want to go back home to Barcelona. So it, City have to bring in a right footed defender while while get rid of, get getting rid of the ones that they have there. If not, you're gonna have the same situation whereby Rodri is partnering Nathan Aki and all the best when you play against some teams. They're gonna expose Rodri for how slow he is. And Fernandinho is not the Fernandinho of twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Yeah, and the thing is, I've always wondered, and like most people have said, why not, why not go from Milan Skriniar or Matthias Ginter or Mönchengladbach, especially if you want to use traditional players and traditional rules. But just I think be- Milan Skriniar might. You spend forty-one million on Nathan Ake. Milan Skriniar looks like a player that is going to cost nothing less than fifteen million. Well, the thing is, I think if the if if. Milan Serena is the only player they spend money on now. The, those three signings might, might be enough, might be realistically enough. Anyway, I don't expect them to make to make much signings up front because Ferran Torres is a very good addition. 20-year-old right-winger from Valencia. 
amazing, amazing talent. Had one year left on his contract. That's why Valencia had to let him go on the cheap for about twenty-two million pounds or so. Plus Valencia has right now. Yeah, Valencia probably looking for how to survive at the club without getting really paid and sacking five managers at the same time. Only Valencia can pull it off. So, like you have Ferran Torres coming in, it's, it provides you option on the right. Even though I feel like you don't have options on the left wing. Right, Sterling is a natural left winger. Mares is not. Bernardo Silva is not. Bernardo Silva could probably play in the David Silva role and as a right winger as well. So I don't know how you fill in the gap when Sterling leaves or when you decide to rest Sterling. And there are rumors that City won five players. Lautaro Martinez is still being touted as a target. I don't think you want to get rid of Aguero now. As much as he's injured and he's in Spain undergoing treatment, he's still a player that can turn a game on his head at any point in time. I don't really think he should be getting rid of Aguero. More like giving him less time and less minutes. Then you have to trust... You have to trust Jesus more. You can't keep relying on Tatsuya because it's only a matter of time for this. And the thing is, Jesus is a very good striker. Let's not let's not mock about that. And he scores goals and his scoring rate is very good. But is he really a striker that can augment a top team? Can is he a striker, can, a striker that can win you seven points or eight points in a season? In I, a season. I doubt that. So do you see like everybody wants Lautaro, obviously. I know that his bad cause has expired. All the best trying to negotiate. But do you see a player like Lautaro replacing Aguero? Yes, his, his nickname is Baby Aguero. Everybody keeps comparing Aguero because of similar style of play and what have you. But it's a different ball game entirely. It's not at the Aguero level yet. Would you, if you're a city, would you buy him now and hope that, okay, we have our striker for the next five, seven years? I actually think I would get him now. But he's still young. I still be coach and he'll still develop. And the thing is, if you try to wait, there are other clubs looking at Lautaro Martinez. So, especially point, Barcelona. Yes, uh, the, 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 the Barcelona looks like better prospects than Manchester City. Especially Barcelona get their act together. Anyway, so I'm still on the issue of getting players and not getting players. It seems like with each passing there, each passing second, the Jadosacho rumor is like the most interesting thing on the internet. Like you wake up in the morning. There's Jado Sancho D, Jado Sancho Dad. You have journalists from all over the world. You have both trusted and untrusted journalists talking about, okay, um, this is what is going on. This is the latest on the Sancho incident. So far, what we know is Dortmund are reluctant that this is our player and this is how much we value. Are you going to pay the money or not? Are United always like to put up the front of, oh, please, we're not going to be bullied by anybody. Where United, it should be a privilege for you to come and play. Then they eventually so come and pay the money, like they did with Fernandez and Maguire. Yeah, which is weird because if you're going to spend a whole, a whole lot of time dilly dallying, if you're going to pay, pay the money, first, don't just pay it early, so it gives him better places and it gives him a chance to grow. Don't why are you going to why are you going to give us a protracted transfer saga of three months, then eventually you pay the hundred million that you want to pay in the first place? How, how are we supposed to praise Edward Ward for doing his job if he doesn't give us a protracted saga? Uh, that's... Like we're supposed that was supposed to she's supposed to show us that he's the master. Because <laughs> I could remember the Maguire transfer when he felt like okay, we want eighteen. This is how much Liverpool paid for Van Dyke. They paid twenty five million for Van Dyke. He wants more than that money. 
and United kept going round and round and round. Then one particular one, you heard that Edward was in England. The next thing, Sky Sports showed him walking around and uh, walking outside his office in London, United office in London. And next thing you know, there was this sudden, there was this breaking news that okay, um, my United have agreed with Leicester to pay 80 million. After that was like a few weeks before the start of if I said a few weeks, a few days, I think two, three days before the start of the season, before the first game against Chelsea. So it just seems like, oh, don't worry, I'll just do me now. Like there's there's, there's there there are rumors out there, like there are a few news out there that have been put up by journalists that okay, my United are telling us when that if you don't want to do business, then don't do business. We have other targets to move on to. Other targets like who? Where are exactly. the other targets? Exactly. There is there are no we have not made of any alternatives. You're talking about Kisley Koma as other target. Kisley Koma plays for Bayern. Not not the Bayern not Bayern Leverkusen. Bayern Munich. That Lewandowski has spent the better part of his life trying to get a move to Real Madrid. And they've been looking at him like, Are you joking? Do you think we're a selling club here? Yeah? Well, not club for God's sake. Yeah, and, and the thing is what we want. And the thing is because Coman is is injury prone. He's had about three ligament injuries in about two years. So. Yes. So, so you... this idea this idea like okay, recently uh, Manchester United great Postcos came out as I think that was last night talking about how he would prefer his old club to go after Harry King than Jadon Sancho. I think Sancho is a better fit for them. I don't think Kane helps or solves my United problem in any way. They don't need, they I understand don't really that. need Harry Kane for anything. For yeah, I understand that Harry Kane is a 30-35 goal striker. Like, he's Harry Kane, obviously. But Martial has shown a lot of promise through the middle this year. Mason Greenwood, for me, looks like a future centre forward. At some point, I feel like it's probably going to relegate both Rashford and Martial to the bench at some point in his future, as long as he sticks to the club and continues to develop, because I believe he's that good. So, I don't see where this hurricane, hurricane noise is coming from. I don't, like, this clamouring for Kane, I don't think so. And besides, they don't have a definitive style of play. They're counter-attacking team. So, you want players that are quick on the ball and go past people. You don't want a striker, you don't want hurricane waiting halfway on the pitch and just waiting for the ball to arrive for like 30, 60, 30 minutes um, throughout the game and it's just there on its own, isolated. So I don't think Hurricane solves their problem. You can make the argument that is that what they need to do now? Like, Ari Maguire is good, that Victor Lindelof has improved. Do they need another central defender? And Pai is injury-prone. Makosho looks like he has no future at the club anymore. And do they need another defender, be it a left-back or a left-sided centre-back? That is another position they might have to consider. I actually think they need another centre back. Because as you said, by is too has become too injury prone and Bakazro is by Makazro. And Bakoy and Lilelof are the first choice centre backs, but but I think they are too they are too similar. They don't really complement each other. It's not like it's not like one is fast enough to Exactly. They are both yes, they are they are both slow, they are both they're both they're both good on the ball. But physically they they are both found one thing. Maguire has the physical presence but lacks pace in every way or form. Like he lacks that pace. um, Lindelof is not the most physical defender because sometimes I when I see him he looks like he's too nice. He's good with the ball in his feet and everything, but he plays like he's too nice. He doesn't have that mean streak that defenders live with. Like that that fear that you you see them in the manager village look at you sometimes they are like 
Is that me or this guy today? He probably plans to kill me or something. Ferdinand was more calm, but he wasn't nice at the same time. He was calm on the ball. He wasn't the most violent defender, but he anticipated when he needed to be mean, he had to be mean against his opponents and stuff. So, now, but there's the argument that Chris Morning has impressed that woman. Do you, does he provide a backup option or do you just cash out on him and get whatever it is that you could get at the transfer fee and let him continue with his life? Um... I think I think perhaps you keep smiling as maybe maybe a season and really see how it goes with smiling. But the thing is, smiling wanted to stay at Roma. He actually, he actually yes. enjoyed playing at Roma. And he I, I enjoyed playing. He, he enjoyed the idea of playing regularly. Yeah, it gave him the confidence and the belief and away, that away, away from I mean, the pressure of yes United playing at Old Trafford. Yes, it gave him the confidence of I'm a regular. I'm a very good defender. Or at least I'm an, I'm an I'm an impressive defender, and he gave him the confidence to show what he could do. He was disappointed to leave the club, and so they 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 have a decision to make. David uh, David Alaba at um, Bayern would have made sense because obviously Alaba could probably play anywhere on the pitch. Is that good? Yeah, but there's no there's no way on earth Alaba. But there's no he has one year left on his contract, and everything is pointing towards. I want a new contract. I don't want to leave, but I want a new contract. If you can convince Bayern that, okay, you have enough left-sided defenders already in Lucas Hernandez, Alfonso Davies, and this stuff, you can let Alaba go, but all the best trying to do that. Like I, like we said earlier, they are Bayern, and they just keep doing what they want to do. Um, on the issue of transfers, Chelsea are still in negotiations with um, Leverkusen for Kai Havertz, who... I decided, okay, you know what? I'm just going to finish this Europa League campaign and see what we can achieve. Can we still make a Champions League? Can Leverkusen go for that to achieve great things? But if you're Chelsea and Leverkusen too at the same time, you're hoping and praying someone doesn't just mistime a tackle and get Skyavis injured because all this idea of, oh, I have 70, I have 90 million, everything goes out the window. Nobody's paying 70 million for an injured player. Yeah, and I, I'm actually still wondering why why exactly Chelsea need to buy Havertz? Because it's, an, it's the latest shiny, shiny, it's a shiny yeah, with, toy with, in Germany. Yes, exactly I'm talking about. Which is actually the point I want to make. Are they really buying? Do they really want to buy Havertz because his strategic plan towards buying him, or because he's he might be available and he's young and he's a good player? They have I think seriously talented in politic and Ziyech already. And you can tell that Chelsea's problem is not it's at the back. The creative front is at the back. They have a shaky goalkeeper. They have a shaky defender. They have a shaky, shaky defense to fix that in the first place. I think Harvard looks like a luxury signing. And it's almost in, in their defense, the way I see it is, if you don't take Harvard this summer, Bayern are going to buy next summer. Once the world stabilizes from this pandemic and their fans in the stadium and everything seems as a semblance of normalcy in the world, Bayern are taking Havertz. Yeah, but the thing so, is, even if even if even if Bayern gets Havertz next summer, do they really need Havertz in any form, real form at all? But Bayern don't care about what we need or what we don't need. It's the same Bayern that decided and uh, looked at Timo Werner one day and said, "Oh." We just buy him for this certain amount of money. We buy him for five million, and Leipzig was like, "No, we value him at fourteen million." They're like, for one year, we we'll wait for him to come and join us on the free. How about we just do that? We don't need him, 
but with one team, it's Bayern. Like they're the, the the best of the best players in Champions. Sebastian Roda was an outstanding, outstanding player for Etran Frankfurt. And Bayern looked at it and said, "Oh, he's German. He plays very well. We can buy him money free. Let's just buy him." After two years, he went to Dortmund. The same thing, Mario Gota. Oh, he's German. He's expensive. He has a buy clause, but he's young. Let's just buy him. Three years down the line, he struggled. <laughs> Can go back to where he came from. It was interesting having you do anyway. Is they they probably do not look at the logistics down the line. They're like this is the, this is this is the best German player in the league. We're buying him. I'm sure if Jadon Sancho was German, he'd probably go to the bank and get money or something. I'm like oh, no, no, why should he go to United? We can have him. We can, it, it could it could be a ball boy for us. We don't care. It could break this. Come back. Come back. Could be the boy where we don't care. We're Bayern. We just do what we want. So if I'm Chelsea, I'm looking at it that with okay. This is a good summer. This is a buyer's market. If I have the money, I'll buy it. If I'm going to sell other players to raise another money to buy a defender for now, yeah. If I can get the goalkeeper, all the best with keeper manager, keeper Lisa Balaga. And yeah, but the, the thing is, I think like the way like what happened to United with Alexis Sanchez, you can wonder like. Felt that United United needed Sanchez in a way, and but one of the main reasons why they signed it because they don't really want to get him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so if if Chelsea, so if Chelsea spend that much money at Harvard just because they don't want anyone else to sign him, is that does that really make any mean uh, make a good point? See, let's not let's not forget here that Kai Havertz is twenty one, and his best years are still ahead of him. One way or the other, in the next few years. Buying any serious injuries is going to come good. You're not just buying a player just because you don't want Bayern to have him. You're buying a potential star that Bayern, Real Madrid, Manchester United, and other top clubs would love to have in their team. You're not just buying some random player. Yeah, you're buying a very talented player, a German international. So if you're buying him now, and you know that you have him in your team, you could go as you can as well. At some point, you have to let players that you have on your books that are not doing anything go. Yes, you have to let them go. But if you have the money, I think you should just buy this summer. That's just the way I said. Um, there's nothing much to discuss on the Liverpool front. The Champions have been really, really quiet and they seem to be contented with the squad for now. Aside from the fact that they had a £10 million bid rejected for Jamal Lewis tonight, the Norwich City left-back has been outstanding. I expect clubs to go to Norwich City and probably keep fishing and fishing until... There's nothing less to fish as the club has been getting to the championship now. Yeah, and they, I think they always, they always do that to relegated clubs. I think yeah, it, we, also with Bournemouth, I expect I expect similar, and I think that's one of the problems. Once 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 you get relegated from Premier League, and sometimes those clubs don't have. Yeah, some clubs, those clubs, those clubs don't have options because you can't pay those astronomical wages in the championship. It's the championship. Yeah, because you're yeah, not guaranteed the hundred million. Cuts, basically. Yes. Yeah, you're not you're not guaranteeing them hundred million. I don't think Bournemouth have um much of a chance, much uh, much of um I don't think they have too many stars that you can pick. Harry Wilson has to go back to has to go back to Liverpool. He was on loan last year. Josh King Josh King is thirty and I think he's he's a decent player. There's nothing outstanding about Josh King. Nathan Aki, I believe, was the best player and he's gone. Jefferson Lema will probably find himself in Turkey somewhere if he doesn't want to play in the championship. So I can't really think of players that you would want from Bournemouth. But for Norwich City, Ben Godfrey looks like, okay, I have it. Max Aarons is young. 
and I showed a lot of promise in the Premier League. Like, he's extremely young. I showed a lot of potential as well. So, you have players like Maximilian, Ben Goffey, um, Jamal Lewis, Emiliano Brendia, um, Todd Cantwell. Like, exciting young players that you could sell and rebuild the, rebuild the club with the money. Yeah, but I think the problem for Norwich is the re- one of the reasons why they didn't spend that much because they were like, sure, we get relegated, but we won't have disrupted our squad. Yes, yes, we won't have. Not just disrupting their squad, they, they were more particular about finding themselves in debt, like QPR did a few years back, whereby you got relegated and everything was just a lot of mismanaged funds, the club was in serious debt. And she probably didn't know how to go about things. So that is, I think that is the worry for Norwich City. And on the issue of Bournemouth, lest we forget, the um, their manager, Eddie Howe, has decided to leave the club on mutual agreement. I think he should have left the club since, if you ask me. Yeah, I think he should, he should have left the club maybe in 2018. Two like seasons after, ago, because two now his stock has fallen. Yeah, the stock had risen back then and now it has gone, it has not dived. It's probably going to end up with another championship club or a club struggling to survive in the Premier League during the season. And most but times, even those clubs prefer the the old hags, like the allied yeah, teachers of this world. The firefighters. The firefighters and they don't want new ideas because they just want to stay in the Premier League. So, I, I kind of feel sorry for Eddie Howe. Like, I rated him as a, it was a highly rated young manager. I particularly rated him. I enjoyed his style of play and everything. But anyway, I'm not a football club owner. I would have taken a gamble on him, but I don't think I think that boat has sailed now. I so, I just think he has he has a shot with probably a team above Bombot. But the thing for me to idea is he's not the kind of manager that can come in mid season. So I think it's the kind of man that needs a season. Yes, to instill his ideas. And he almost, and he almost I, think, I think he needs like the right club. Because you can't just jump into like maybe struggling Watford team or struggling West Ham side and just that. <laughs> and, and turn their fortunes around. But sometimes, because you're desperate to prove that you have it or you're, not, you're a very good manager, you kind of get these jobs, these so-called relegation battling teams. You kind of pick up those jobs and sometimes your career might just go downhill from there. Because these teams have nothing to offer. If you're if you're a club and you're struggling to stay up, I morale is low. And mid season, I don't think I don't think Eddie Howe is the manager you want to hire. Sometimes it helps. Look at what Marco Silva did for Hull City a few years back. Look at what Pochettino did with Southampton. Sometimes fresh ideas changes the out- outlook of a club. Southampton took a gamble on Pochettino had just been sacked by Espanyol, and Pochettino. Rose and Rose, and he became and he's regarded as one of the best managers in the world now at this point in time. So, the fresh ideas, fresh impetus took the club to a different level. So, sometimes you need to take that risk. Obviously, you would prefer the safe um, beds, like the safe beds, the Aladdiches of this world, the Tony Pulises and David Moyes. But sometimes, fresh impetus, fresh ideas, new confidence might just be what a team needs to help them do better. Anyway, sticking with the championship. Fulham and Bedford took part in the most expensive football game. Like, the championship playoff final, for those that don't know, is serious money, like serious business. 
Fulham are guaranteed, uh, I think, 140 million pounds just yeah. for winning that game over the next three years, just for winning the playoffs. And Brentford were in line to make 165 million. But for some reason, the Brentford goalkeeper decided it was a KG KG affair, like a very, very tight game. Both teams watching each other, no, no one wanted to commit to any stupid um, um, attack. They, two teams who were known for their attacks, that for how good they were in terms of going forward and scoring goals, decided to be very cautious. But the Bedford goalkeeper decided, you know what, I'm just done with this. Someone, someone needs to win. I might as well just give you guys the first goal and so we'll just go home. Yeah, and which was incredibly <laughs> stupid, by the way. Because when I first, when I actually heard of it, I thought, okay, maybe just, maybe Jubran caught, caught him out and near post. But it was so far out. You think it was so, so far, far out. Like, like, what are you doing? Just cover that base. What exactly are you doing? And isn't this for Brent? It seems like Brentford is throughout the season. Brentford has been very good. But if you watch them, their style of play, fantastic. And when when they when they met Fulham earlier in the season, the two meetings, they dispatched Fulham easily. And the thing is, they kind of froze this game because they were poor. This final, they were very very poor. Yeah, and, it was a it was a lackluster final if you were neutral. Actually, yeah, the, the match the match was actually it was very attrition. It was bad. Very disappointing. I, I I saw both teams play and I was wondering if you're going to do this in the Premier League, you will go back. I can guarantee that you will go back. If this is how you intend to play, there was no, there was a proper lack of quality on show. Obviously, Said Berama, Said Berama and um, Uli Watkins have been very impressive. Uli Watkins is joint top scorer like alongside Alexander Mitrovic with six goals in the championship. Said Berama has seventeen goals and. A, a bunch of assists to his name. Yes, Georgia Winger has been very, very excited. Yeah, which is why, which is where I'm, which is why I'm, I'm afraid for Bournemouth because for Brentford because they have Berama, Mbwemo, Oliwatkins, uh, Watkins. and they have Christian Nogard in midfield. And since once you don't get promoted, that kind of squad, or the other clubs that want to pick them off, especially Berama, because it looks, it looks they, almost I, impossible that we'll see. The manager said after the game that those the players won't be leaving on the cheap, but there's nothing they can do. You are going to have to let those players go at some point. There's a reason why you're in the championship. You can't need the money. It's the championship. If you invest the money properly, you get to bring in players that might not necessarily replace them like for like, but you bring in good players and you more competitive next year as well. But most times, players that have had an exciting season in the championship do not like to stay. The championship is very unforgiving. So one, one missed time challenge in October, later in October this year, and boom, your Premier League career is gone. So I expect Berama and Watkins to move on regardless of how, but I don't expect them to join the Chelsea's and or the Manchester United like as we predicted in the media, but joining clubs like West Ham, Leicester, Newcastle, even, like, even Newcastle is not, is not a bad option for both players. It's not a bad option for both players at all. And Redford have to make the retreats. Um, on the issue of Newcastle, it's safe to say like their takeover will not be happening. For some reason, they I think they pissed off the powers that be. Yeah, and since the the consultant actually pulled out themselves, and they didn't, I don't think they really gave that much of a reason. Yes, and yes. The, the, well, I think one of the most shocking things for me is that the the. Because also led by the Saudi Arabia government, they weren't really, they weren't really facing any scrutiny for their lack for their women rights abuses. But actually, yes. they were being scrutinized for piracy. For so piracy. That was, that was the biggest of the book, the piracy. That's I, somehow, I, I, somehow piracy trumps human rights, which is 
the way I see it is they had the human rights abuses agenda at the back of their mind. I'm sure the FA and the Premier League board had it at the back of their mind that okay, this is Saudi Arabia where human rights abuses is a thing, it's very prominent, it's very common. But it's a different thing when you come out and say, Oh, we're not going to approve this sale or this bid because the country is notorious for abusing human rights. The constitution is going to come out and say, Oh, that's just part of our country. It's not true. We don't do that. It's a debate and every other thing. But one thing they could not deny was the piracy. I feel like it was strategic for the Premier League to say, okay, we'll just attack them with the primary, with the piracy. Rather than they could they could they could find a wiggle room because you have come um organizations like Amnesty International coming out to say, oh, um the Saudi Arabia Consortium should be allowed to buy Newcastle, blah blah blah, like it is this and every other thing. The minute you start pointing towards human rights, it becomes a huge debate that people are like, okay, what well, for this, we're not for this, the fans get on it. But when it's okay, you support piracy, we're against piracy, uh, it becomes a different angle entirely. So I think that yeah, but, but the thing is, but the thing is, the Premier League didn't actually bar them. No, 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 they did that. not. Yeah, they, they did, did not. It was just, I think it was just the Premier League being... I think being scared about it or being cowardly about the whole thing. It was just, they were just feeding reports through the media. There was no official statement for the Premier League. We just kept hearing reports in the media regarding the whole piracy and piracy and stuff. So I think they kept feeding the media and that way the, uh, the beat kept coming in bad lights. Obviously, if you're a Newcastle fan, Newcastle United fan, you get excited like, oh, please. This is a consortium led by someone who is richer than all other 19 Premier League clubs combined. So you know that, yes, Newcastle are going places, probably become the next Man City. But at the same time, we don't want bad owners or not so good people running Premier League clubs. Anyway, away from England, whatever it is that Antonio Conte has against himself, I need to find out. Like, I need to know what his problem is. I, I, maybe he does these things on purpose. Maybe he kind of likes the controversy. Because now, this was the same manager that resigned from Juventus. Woke up one morning and said, okay, they want me to eat at a 100 euros store. When, why giving me 10 euros? The club is not confident. not challenging, criticizing the board and the owners and everything. Left. Went to Italy. Criticized the Italian FA throughout the euros. Talk about the training facilities are bad, blah, blah, blah. Left. Went to Chelsea. Won the league title at Chelsea. Second season, the, there was the whole Costa incident. There was the incident of dragging the board, like they didn't get many players I wanted. Blah blah blah. Let he got sacked. Moved to Inter. He, he just spent a year at Inter. It's been a. It's it ended up being as a good season, finishing second one point behind Juventus, who probably slept on the wheel anyway. One point flat as Inter. Finishing one point behind Juventus. Okay, it's a good season. We finish second. One point behind Juventus. Rather than just think of how to prepare for next season, there's already controversy regarding, oh, you know what, blah, blah, blah. The CEO is jumping on the bad one now. The owner doesn't live in the country. I want to speak to the owner. Like, dragging the name of the board and the club through mud. I, I wonder what Conte's problem is, honestly. Yeah, I think for the, for the first time in a while, this, this is never about transfers because once, once after his rant, it was like, Okay, it's not about transfer. transfer yeah. And what, <laughs> what the thing is, it's Conte. It's, 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 it's Conte. And I won't, won't be surprised when 
we are the start of because it did the events at the start of preseason. He just decided, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going, and then he left. So there's every chance he might do this again with. The chance he might do this again with Inter, and that might really that will really set them back. Because who who is a viable replacement? And See, the last thing he wants is the last thing he even wants is the manager leaving at the start of preseason. Yeah, especially, especially because you want to start preseason. Season like yeah. This. This you want to start preseason with the manager that you believe can take your club forward, not a new manager. Obviously, the um the one in the Europa League two yeah, nights ago against Getafe, two new victory, and after the Malukaku talked about, he was happy for Ericsson, but he wants it's it's a period that Conte stays like really likes Conte, and Conte continues the work he's doing and what have you. But Conte is an employee. You can't keep insulting your employers. You can't be working in the company and be insulting your employers. You're going to be gone. Regardless of whether it's sport or you're one, you're a very good coach and that. You should. You cannot be found um, wanting. It is not a good way to live. And this bad part for internet is that you don't. You you can't get rid of him. You already have Spalletti on your books. Who you sacked to bring in Conte? You are still paying Spalletti salary. Yeah, and you yes. are and you are paying and you are still paying. So paying you don't want you don't want to be paying two coaches who are not coaching at your football club, just paying them for absolute nothing. It doesn't it's it's not it doesn't bode well for the club. Hopefully this they resolve this or you hope that okay, Conte just wakes up one man and says okay, I'm done, I'm leaving. Maybe at least after the Europa League, then you can plan for a new season. I I honestly would have said okay, I don't know what plans Pochettino has. He might get the Juventus job depending on how Sarri does. But I don't mind you going to Atalanta and say, okay, you know what? We want Gas- Gasparini. How much is it going to cost us? We- we've had him before. He struggled. Yeah, but the thing is, Gasparini wants... I think, wants, uh, I think he has, I think he has improved and he has gotten yeah, better over the years because he, he, he obviously did a good job at Genoa. That was what got him the Inter gig in the first place. He's an outstanding tactician. He's known for his knowledge of the game and how he reads football game. He's sound tactically and what have you. But he struggled, obviously, at Inter that time. And whether we like it or not, Inter we had a bad, bad place when he struggled. Like, you had just, Mourinho had left a year before. You had gone through Benitez, gone through Leonardo, uh, Murati, Massimo Murati, the former owner, wasn't convinced about the club in terms of investments. Um, Eto had just left the club, so this is a different Inter that looks like okay, this is a more steady Inter. The owners are more invested into the club, they spend a lot of money. You have these creative players now. If I was Gasparri, I'd probably take the job, but it's a different argument. And if he doesn't want to go, it's understandable. But the last thing the club wants is Conte leaving them hanging like just leave, just wake up one morning and leave you there at the start of the season. It would be it just be crazy, like really, really crazy. Um, sticking with the Serie A, you have Juventus, like we said, have rounded up the league title in in a not too brilliant um, fashion this time around. But they are champions, whether we like it or not, nine time champions, nine time consecutive champions. Obviously, they won nine times in a row. As much as Sarri's um, managerial future at Turin is still hanging in the balance, you have the all important Champions League tie this weekend against Lyon. I think that probably determines the future more than any other thing. Yeah, that, that definitely determines it. 
Yeah, I, I think, think they, 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 they just kept up for the win as soon as they knew that they were going to be champions. And then he made it. Yeah, and uh, then he made, he made they it seem like it was tighter than it looked. And and the worry about when when the, when those dominant teams win win the league by small small margin, is you always think perhaps they will, they will strengthen even more. Probably yes. The manager, so to make sure it doesn't get that close again. So they so. So you feel like Zomba 10 is already, already on the way. And especially with Inter in this period of uncertainty. So, but the, of course, the question is, will Sari be there next season if if they don't get past Lyon? And problem the thing is, Lyon played against PSG. Yeah, Coupe de la Ligue. Mm. French League final. French League Cup final. It is. And he had a goalless and PSG won on penalties. The thing is, Lyon looked very good defensively. With the back three and every three five two for me and everything, and yes, we have seen that like, they don't know how to break down defensively. And I think they Juventus, cannot, they can't afford Juventus like Real Madrid are in a very difficult situation right now. They know that they have to score goals for them to stay in the Champions League. Juventus need a victory, not just a victory. They need to win by more than a goal margin. The last thing you want to do is win to one and um, away goals come into it and you're out of the tournament. And sorry, will probably be gone by then. They probably think you have to bring you to know whoever it is that you want to bring back in. So I feel like they have enough to do it. Doing it is not the issue. The advantage, the advantage for me uh, when it comes to Leon is lack of competitive games. You've had one competitive game and you've played well, yes. But compared to a team that has been at it for the last four weeks, the intensity might just be different. Like you and PSG are probably in the same boat of lack of competitive games. PSG have played competitive games, you have played competitive games too. So it kind of makes the game that way. But Juventus have been at it for a while and I feel like Leon might just start to tire out towards the end of the game. And that might fall into uh, um, Juventus' hands. Sticking with the Champions League, um Real Madrid have arrived in England for their second leg tie, facing a two one deficit. They lost two one at home to City without Gareth Bale and James Rodriguez. James is believed to be on his way to um, Atletico Madrid if reports are to be believed. Then you have the old Gareth Bale saga. I think Zidane can't dispute the fact that he doesn't like Bale. But this idea that he said Bale refused to travel, refused to play, it will be interesting to see what Jonathan Barnett, Gareth Bale's agent, says after this. I was trying to see, isn't it, um, yes, you should have let him go to China. Left in last mm-hmm. summer, because remember, they were letting him go and everything. And now, no, nobody, nobody's nobody going to pay that to much. Pay that much. Pay nobody's going to offer him there. He earns ridiculous wages yes. over there at Santiago Bernabal. And he has two years left. Yeah, the problem with it is. Exactly. Euros per week. He collects six hundred euros per week, six hundred thousand euros per week, and the only club that offered that in China, yes, Madrid, Madrid made it and they were like, they, they want the transfer fee as well. As you could, you could see, it in, 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 once, once they won the league against Villarreal, back in, I think the way the way like, it is is that I don't think he doesn't team. want to play. He's a very good player. We're talking about Gareth Bale, yeah? one of the best players in the world. Like he's a very good player, but Sidan has never hidden the. F- fact that he doesn't like Bill. 
this was the same Zidane that said last summer that okay, I've spoken to him, I've told him it's better if he leaves and everything like the best choice for him to leave and blah 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 and all these discussions. You want this guy out of the club. You you Madrid are playing the game whereby they're struggling to get wins in the league and you have five substitutes. Five. And you're bringing in all kinds of players. Like Rodrigo is coming in. Valverde is coming in, some youth players are coming in, and Garibaldi is stuck on the bench. At some point, at Garibaldi, you probably just say, okay, you know what? If you're not so well to play, I'm going to stress this. I'm just going to earn my money and stay here. Because he has, Bale has nothing to lose. He has nothing to lose. He has four Champions League titles. Exactly. Because no matter yes. what happens, he still, still gets paid and everything. And every, and everyone mm-hmm. is still So he has nothing to lose. It's not like the stock has fallen anyway. And I just, Marie should just, I just, I see why, why, why do both of them just come, at, come to a compromise? Like, bro, Marie, I think some of his wages for two years, and then yes, and I think you, so at, at some point you have to, you have to do what United, Sanchez, and yeah. um, Inter have done. I think it's the same situation Arsenal find themselves in with uh, Mesut Ozil. As well, you have to do something similar. Madrid have to do something similar. Anyway, before we um, get off track, other um, Champions League, like we said, like we're saying, um, Madrid have to overturn it, a one-goal deficit. Like they lost two-one at home, and they have to score two at least. Madrid have to score two goals to be in the tie against City for a team that has barely scored that much goals since the season restarted. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. Nah. I really don't. I really and, don't see them going through. I really don't. And, and, and once again, they so are. So that means the chance of Lukaku scoring. Are you playing against a team that are high flying, Kevin De Bruyne and stuff? Uh, other fixtures: yeah. Napoli face Barcelona after a, a goal, um, draw in Naples. I feel like they have a chance, but Messi has the ability to like overturn the game on his head. And I'm probably just predicting Barcelona to go through. As, uh, I actually see Fasuna Napoli to go through mm-hmm. because Barcelona haven't really convinced anyone, and even even despite having despite having Messi in the team, you can tell that it's, it's starting to become that it's starting to lose interest in what what Barcelona did. And obviously, yes, Messi is good and all, but, and uh, this is probably the season. Yeah, like and it's, there's no there's so nothing to show for it. And the final it's fixture really, for this weekend, really like work. Friday and Saturday, we have two games on Friday and two games on Saturday. Is the Chelsea Bayern mini game? If you ask me, I don't even know why Chelsea are traveling to Germany. We as well play your final one, but because we lost three 0 at Stamford Bridge, I don't know. We it's, have it's four key players injured. I don't know how we're going to. Um, uh, the right fullback, Rich James, uh, posted on Twitter today talking about belief and stuff. Uh-uh. This is not about belief. Bayern Munich are on fire. They are best team in Europe at this point in time. And you're without so many key players with a three good deficits over turn. I'm sorry, it's a done deal for me. It's, it's, it's... Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And it's not like you are going there it's with not... fans. <laughs> you can tell it to believe and then you It's an empty stadium and you are all, all that. Yeah. You, are, you are just playing against Bayern Munich. So, I, mean, so, yes, I think I think I think that's the business. We just, we just know. give the Champions League discussion for the quarterfinals next week. Um, the fixtures for the Europa League quarterfinals have been announced. Uh, Manchester United are to face Copenhagen on Monday. Inter to play Leverkusen on Monday. Why Wolves play Sevilla 
on Tuesday and Shakhtar play Barcelona on Tuesday, all in Germany as well because they are they are in a bubble in Germany as well. So you expect um United to be Copenhagen because you don't know which United will turn up. They could not beat farmers from um Norway or wherever it is um that uh, last case from last night from Austria they could not beat like farmers properly. They had to from struggle. Austria. Yeah, five goals but, up and everything. So I think you have to expect that. You have to expect that the go past um, so. Copenhagen. I think the tie for me is Inter playing Leverkusen. You don't know which Inter will turn up, and you don't know which Leverkusen will turn up. It's a tale of two very inconsistent teams. Yeah, but the thing is, the the location of the Europa League is about ten miles or so from from Leverkusen's stadium. So, it's basically basically the same city as. But without fans, so I don't see that. I don't feel like an advantage. Like without fans in the stadium, I don't know how. Well, I think. Uh, I practically had top four qualification in Germany oh, in their hands, and they treat the way. So, forgive me if I do not trust them at all. I, I think another title to look forward to is um Wolves Sevilla. Like this is this is one tricky one to predict. Yeah, yeah like this is a very tricky pro- probably title because you never can know, you never can tell. General Petegui Sevilla has been very impressive since like this year. They qualified, they finished fourth in La Liga, um, dispatch Roma earlier tonight, made it to the quarterfinals. So they're not, they're not, they're not joking. They're not a team to be joked with as as a lot. Like, and you also have Wolves as well, who have Raúl Jiménez on top form, Adam Traoré. And they're an English club too. So it makes for an interesting tie. I don't even know to stick my neck out for, but I just feel like Sevilla my age is part of the Europa League experience. Shakhtar play Basel in the battle of, okay, I know you, you know me. We're both Europa League merchants and Europa League specialists. But what, if I consider Shakhtar's um, Champions League experience and what, they, what I've seen them do so far this year, I'm just stick my neck out for Shakhtar. I'll probably say Shakhtar too because what, over the past season they've been showing that they're not really, they're not really good enough for the Champions yeah, so League but they're actually Europa good League. enough to play Europa League so that's so maybe have well I, I see the but yeah, but have, this is not the Frankfurt of last year. I look at Juvic. This is a different Frankfurt entirely. But they've been impressive as well like considering the fact that he lost Juvic and a few other players but I'm not going to stick my neck out for um I don't know. I just, I don't, I just see Shakhtar. Whichever way, they're both Europa League merchants. They're very good Europa League teams. Either one of them. I think the winner of that time we, we expected to play the winners between Inter yeah, and Leverkusen. So, depending on how, which Inter shows up, you might expect that, okay, Inter probably have a good route to the semi-finals or Leverkusen have a good route to the semi-finals. So, you have a good route to the finals, I beg your pardon. So, yeah. I guess we'll have to wait until Monday and Tuesday. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about this next week. By then, we should have the semi-finalists already, and we should have the quarter-finalists in the Champions League too. So, yeah, that's just it. Like, that's basically it. Thank you once again for yeah. joining us today, Kunle. Like, uh, it was a pleasure. We're probably gonna full. We're probably gonna full yeah. hour long. <laughs> I'm sure if we had that, we'll probably go to our third medicine. Um, on a quick note before we leave. Um, the NBA is still ongoing. The battle for the eighth seed in the West is still ongoing. Currently, Memphis Grizzlies are eight, 
for the lead the Portland Trailblazers with a game by a game and a half who are in ninth Spurs are in tenth two games behind the Grizzlies you have the Pelicans Sacramento as well also in the running and yeah and the Phoenix Suns too lest I forget the Suns have been very impressive they won all four games in the bubble so far so they are things to watch out for regarding making it to the playoffs and yeah for the first time since 2010 the Lakers have sealed first place in the Western Conference so, once, mm-hmm, which is which probably doesn't matter anymore because we're all in the bubble, yeah, no home court. And they don't do well because they've been struggling ever since they got to the bubble. And if they don't do well, you expect that they'll probably be sent home as fast as possible. Anyway, I guess that's it for us tonight, guys. Until next week, we'll see you again. We hope to continue this. Yeah, please stay safe. Like, I guess yeah, this is our, this is our 11th everyone. episode or so. Thank you for supporting us. And please don't forget to share on all social media platforms. All right, guys, stay safe out there. Take care.